Fantasy is not so much a suspension of disbelief as it is an acceptance of our own unconsciousness. Fantasy is as old as man, beginning back in our animal history, when someone had the first abstract thought. In our Western society, empirical data and rational thought have become the touchstones of experience. This is worse than cutting off half your body. The fantastic is easily half of the universe, whether you count galaxies and nucleotoids or court a demon in a pinnacle. Greg Stafford. Welcome to Warfare Advancement Revisionism. My name is Preston Floyd, and as always, I am your host. I'd like to welcome everyone back after our week off last week, and I hope you enjoy this week's special kind of supplementary or bonus episode, kind of go along with the uh, spooky Halloween season, as it were. Uh, so from the introduction, you might be able to kind of guess where we're going if you are familiar with uh, some fantasy gaming or tabletop gaming tropes. Uh, you may recognize the name of that I quoted from Mr. Greg Stafford. Uh, this week we're going to be diving into the world of Glorantha. Now, uh, for those of you that are unaware, Glorantha is a... Um, it's a fantasy world, and it was created by Greg Stafford. Uh, it's kind of one of the first, well, I wouldn't say the first, but it is, or it was a early competitor with Dungeons and Dragons, which uh, of course was created uh, by Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson. Uh, in I think they were first published in 74. Uh, Glorantha was first published in 75. Um, the thing that kind of makes Glorantha stand out a bit as opposed to Dungeons and Dragons, however, is that uh, it doesn't quite use as much inspiration as uh, Lord of the Rings uh, type elements as Dungeons and Dragons do. Uh, there are some similarities. Um, I think you could kind of think of this world as being more focused on the classic um, swashbuckling sword and sorceries books uh similar to um Eron Howard I think is the name of the guy that did the the original Conan the Barbarian and some other series John Connors of Mars that kind of thing uh so think of it more kind of being influenced by like uh 20s and 30s um serials uh you know that kind of fantasy as opposed to more Tolkien-esque fantasy um and we're going to get into that um, specific, uh, some of the differences, uh, kind of just, well, we'll get into some of the differences in general. Um, but first, uh, we just want to focus on, I guess, the the world, as it were. Uh, this was brought to my attention, or suggested that I cover this, by a couple of friends of mine, uh, Kyle uh, and Streamer X of Mega Team Up. Um, you may, if you follow our Twitter account, you may have seen me interact with them a couple of times. Um, they are some friends of mine, and they do their own thing on YouTube and Twitch. Um, and we may actually do a partner-up episode for one of the games that was ex inspired by this um, by this fantasy world. But that that's still in the future. Um, I do want to do an episode with uh, those guys about some other stuff. Um, specifically beer, uh, beer brewing. Uh, Kyle of Mega Team Up is, uh, is himself an avid brewer, so uh, I'm looking forward to that, and I hope you do as well. 
<clears throat> but uh, I think let's get back to uh, Greg Stafford, the man who kind of created this world. Uh, now, Greg was born in uh, February 1948, uh, and he just passed within, I think, uh, 2018, October of 2018. Uh, yeah, according to minutes. Um, and he was, uh, he was a very prolific game designer. He did quite a bit of, um, of uh, tabletop things. He worked on Call of, the, uh, Call of Cthulhu, um, which, of course, if you're familiar with um, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft or... You know, those games are kind of based on his mythos. He also did some work uh, on Arthurian uh, games, I think Merlin, as well as um, there was like a King Arthur, I think it's just called King Arthur, um, as well as some other stuff. But uh, I think the initial work uh, for this world, or the initial publishing work of this world, was White Bear and Red Moon. Um, and it has been published in a few other uh, works as well. Uh, I think um, Hero Quest is what I knew of the world, uh, the new knew of the world initially from uh, Hero Quest, Room Crest, um, and uh, also I was able to find a game that's like a single player on mobile. It's called King of Dragon Pass. That is also set in the world of Glorantha. And uh, I played a few hours actually on my trip. Uh, it was something I could play on my phone during the during the flights I was on with uh, airplane mode engaged. It doesn't require you to be constantly in a network or anything. Um, but let's kind of talk about what the world is and what makes it unique. So Glorantha takes place in a world very much influenced by the mythical and magical. Um, think of their world as um, being inside of a sphere uh, and at the top of the sphere or I guess the top half you have the, the sun and the moon uh, that would go along into the water come around the world and then emerge into the sphere the next day now the water actually takes up the bottom half of the sphere this is the sea and then you have the world itself, which is on one side of a cube. Uh, and then the other sides of the cube are submerged beneath the water, and they lead, of course, uh, at the very bottom level to the underworld, which is also connected to the ocean. So uh, it's, it's not a flat world. Uh, it's a cubed world that is suspended in a half-filled sphere of water. Um, and the gods are real in this kind of situation uh, or this this world, uh, and they are active. They are, you know, they're powerful. Um, they don't necessarily have paladins or clerics as you would see in like D and D, but they do have influence over humanity. In fact, humans are kind of pawns to the gods. Uh, they play an active role in you know. Uh, religious rituals as well as cults and things like that and the the sun the earth the air the water all these things are gods and then of course um, different aspects of nature uh, death life re rebirth uh, stasis change truth these are all kind of uh, deities as well and then there are lesser deities you know that are 
you know, they're just like gods of cows, gods of ships, gods of uh, volcanoes or individual volcanoes, things like that. Um, and of course, there are uh, humans that occupy this world, and they kind of make up, um, well, what we've already talked about a little bit of uh, this in our in our uh, regular episodes. Uh, you have hunter-gatherer cultures, uh, specifically, I think the two that stand out in the kind of the lore of the world are the Sunshin and the Dorati. But then you also have a nomadic pastoralist, uh, and their culture is known as uh, Praxian. And then you have the more, shall we say, um, warlike tribal chieftains that work metal. Uh, these are the Orlanthi. And then you have the more civilized urban civilizations. Uh, these are represented uh, by a few different groups, but I think um, uh, Fon Rithian, Western, Kralorlan, and Pelorian cultures. Um, and one thing I mentioned about Glorantha not being focused on uh, Tolkien aspects. Um, Yes, uh, he has things like elves and dwarves. However, these are very different to how you would think of in like the Tolkien mythos. Uh, the elves are, they look human, at least on the surface, but they are more akin to sentient plants that kind of move around. So they have very long lives. Um, they don't really need to eat other than water. Uh, then you have uh, dwarves who are actually, they're mortal, uh, like the elves in Tolkien. Uh, they are these dwarves are made of stone uh, and they they seek to kind of fix the world uh, which is kind of in a bad shape after um, it had been broken during the wars between the gods then you have uh, trolls or ooze that's UZ um, these are strictly you know underworld demons uh, they're they're meant to fight against you know pawns of the gods of light and they also have their own version of Dragonborn called Dragon Newts. Uh, and these are kind of a, um, they're, they're dragon people, uh, and they kind of endlessly reincarnate uh, with memories of their past lives. Like every time they, you know, they die, they inherit everything from their previous selves. And they're kind of like a, kind of an, un, an all-knowing, unknowable race, uh, that kind of trope. Um and in terms of time frame, uh, I think it's kind of hard to say exactly. And of course, because this is something like D&D, you can edit the world as needed uh, if you were running the game. Uh, it's not something that has to be set at a specific time frame. However, I think a lot of the art and mythos of the world uh, that's included in a lot of the source books. It might be easier to think of this as kind of a, as more of a Bronze Age world. Uh, think about the Middle East and actually the next set of, um, well, not the next set, but uh, the first sets of cultures we'll talk about. Things like Ur, Babylon, um, uh, Egypt, places like that. Uh, Bronze Age civilizations. That is something that you see a lot of, at least when it comes to city-type dwellings. Uh, the art style that's presented in those books, 
temple complexes. Uh, that is what you would get in uh, Glorantha, as opposed to say, um, you know, cities of glass and light that you might run into uh, in D and D. Um, and then, of course, you have uh, the pastoralists or the tribal chieftains. Those might be more akin to, uh, you know, something like uh, you'll see in the early uh, uh, European history, where you have, you know, tribal chieftains working bronze, trading cattle or sheep, um, working together against a foe, then working against that former ally, a lot of shifting alliances. Uh, think more uh, Conan in the Conan Barbarian stories as opposed to um, the cities that he kind of pillages and raids. So uh, Glornitha is very, uh, very different than D&D, uh, at least in terms of, um, I guess, its flavor, for lack of a better term. Um, it is also a little bit less of a war gaming. You can do that in Glorantha. Uh, it's not necessarily um, mutually exclusive because, again, D&D, you don't necessarily have to war game either. But Glorantha, Glorantha, I think, is a bit more designed to be a bit more heavy on the role playing, a little bit less, a little bit less of um, focus on the combat. Uh, so it's probably not quite for everyone, but, you know, if you were looking for something that's a little more, um, shall we say, uh, diplomacy focused, it might be a good, might be a good starting point. Um, and in addition to those changes, I guess, kind of to Tolkien's lore, there are, um, they have a, a few different things that are unique to Glorantha, um. Specifically, I know they have a race of duckmen. Uh, they just are very large, intelligent ducks. Except instead of wings, they have like feathery arms and webbed feet. Um, and I think they're called uh, durlus or durls. Uh, then, of course, there are uh, scorpion-like centaurs. So the top half is human. The bottom half is scorpion with the tail. Uh, and then, of course, you have um, a few other things like that that kind of differentiate it from uh, a more Tolkien-esque fantasy world. So, uh, that's kind of the world. That's some of the, I guess, not characters, but some of the races that inhabit the world. Um, I want to talk, go back and talk a bit, a little bit about the creator. Uh, Greg Stafford is a very interesting dude. Um, he he was a noted shaman or shamanist practices. He actually was a member of Shaman's Drum, which is like a journal um, that is uh, devoted to like uh, experimental shamanism, uh, and it was published for a number of years between the eighties and two thousands. Um, and it just kind of, you know, wanted, uh, I guess a little bit more esoteric or spiritual, uh, work in, uh, I guess to be brought to like Western, uh, Western attention. Uh, they focused on things like, um, ayahuasca rituals, um, 
different kinds of Tibetan um, practices, like uh, Tibetan Buddhist practices, and of course they focused on um, other like North American, Native American uh, phenomena or um, cultural uh, touchstones as well. Um, it's very. Uh, he was a very interesting guy. Um, I I wish I had heard about him, and I I had heard his name before in association to like. Um, Call of Cthulhu stuff, um, but I didn't realize that he was so like he had done so much in terms of like gaming um, conventions. Uh, I think he also did like a board game version for Ghostbusters of all things. Uh, so yeah, he 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 was in a lot of things, or he worked on a lot of things. Um, uh, and the game I spoke of that I got on um, Android was. Uh, King of Dragons Past, uh, or King of Dragon Past, excuse me. <clears throat> uh, you can get that yourself. Uh, it is available, I think, on iOS and Android. And I think you can also get it on uh, uh, Windows as well. Uh, I'm not sure if it's on Steam, uh, but you, you shouldn't have a hard time finding it. it. It runs well on your phone, like if you have any kind of uh, recent, you know, within the last five or six years phone, it, it'll run no problem. Hell, probably an older phone as well. It's very much text-based. Um, the the goal is to become the titular king of Dragon Pass. Um, even though you don't play as individual characters, you play as a ring or like a, I guess, a tribal kind of um, leadership group over... Um, a single tribe in this Dragon Pass area, and you, of course you interact with other tribes, you engage in things like diplomacy, cattle raids, you build up your settlement, uh, you perform rituals, sacrifice to gods, you have to perform uh, specific journeys or quests, um, and these are ritual quests to kind of uh, repeat a past uh, act of valor by a god or a hero of your group to try to obtain specific items or uh, you know or knowledge. Uh, it's very in depth. It is not easy. Um, I I started a couple of different playthroughs on my trip. Um, some went much better than others. Uh, so I'd recommend creating a lot of save states and going back and forth. Um, I think to actually complete and become the king, you do have to kind of cheese the game a little bit. Otherwise, you just, you know, you have to get extremely lucky. Um, but essentially, uh, you're, you know, you're kind of semi-nomadic band of uh, tribesmen move into a region along with several others. And your goal is to expand your numbers, recruit warriors, uh, defend yourselves, attack uh, enemies, um, perform these quests to get items of power and eventually take over the entire region. So, uh, and I recommend it, especially if you're going to have to long flights like I did. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty fun. It's simple. It's, it's easy to play, hard to master, but even if you're not winning, quote unquote, there's still a lot of good and interesting, um, art, uh, for the, um, the, the kind of the quests uh some of it's very well done some of it looks it's funny but it, it's you know it's entertaining uh and it's beautiful in some cases so 
and it kind of gives you a feel for the world. Um, I like specifically the the quests that you go on because you're repeating. Uh, in most cases, you're, you're repeating the actions of a god and you're trying to follow in their footsteps to gain the, the items or knowledge that they did to help your people. Uh, and, you know, there's, there is the theory, and I'm sure that Mr. Stafford, being a shaman himself, recognized that that was kind of, um, or that is a major theory of how religious ceremonies began, that our ancestors were repeating what had been done in the past so that the same thing would happen again. Um, that's always been a very popular theory for how religious ceremonies arose. Um, so he, he kind of takes that and he turns it up to 11 uh, with how the mechanics of that work. Um, and I'm not going to go into specifics because, again, there's there's quite a number. I think there's over 20 quests that you have to you know, perform and then complete. Um, there are multiple choices that you can make at every step of the quest. And if you make the wrong one even once, well, you know, um, it, it, it's kind of a, <laughs> it's, it's kind of a mess if, <laughs> if, uh, if you don't know what you're doing or if you're just guessing as I was. So, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting world. And if, um, it's especially something if you're not as interested in wargaming or if maybe if you'd like to think of it, um, more as a problem-solving game as opposed to wargaming. Um, you, you know, it doesn't have to be diplomatic, but you do have to come up with more unique ideas of how to fix things sometimes or how to uh, break things in certain situations. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so it, it's a good time. It's a good, it's a good game, uh, Kings of or King of Dragon Pass, and the world itself is very interesting. Um, it, it is a lot different than a bunch of other uh, fantasy worlds out there because so many of them uh, have been so heavily influenced by Tolkien or by D and D, which you know is the more well known, uh, I guess, tabletop option. Uh, but if so, but. You know, if you're tired of Dungeons and Dragons, or if, you know, if you just want to play something else, um, and then I know there's Pathfinder, which is also similar to Dungeons and Dragons, um, but it is very much based kind of in a similar world as that. Uh, so if you want something, you know, similar uh, to those old school Conan the Barbarian sword and sorcery. Uh, games, uh, or I'm sorry, sword and sorcery books or stories or comics, uh, you might want to check out this game. And it's not quite as complicated in terms of rules as from what I can tell. Um, they only use D20s. There are no additional like D6s, D8s, anything like that. Um, at least some of the older ones. Um, I don't know about the new versions. I wasn't able to get as much information on those. But um, yeah, so, you know, if you'd like to try something different, I'd recommend giving it a shot. But, uh, yeah. Um, I think that's pretty much all I need to talk about with Glorantha this week. Um, next week, we're going to come back. I'm going to do a another um, kind of a special episode. I think this upcoming week it's going to be on um, uh, the Westeros Game of Thrones, but the very way before anything else to kind of go into the more mythological aspects of the show 
uh, based on the um, World of Ice and Fire source book. Um, and that, you know, that's something I'm looking forward to. Uh, I'm a very big fan of the books. Um, and I know they have a currently sh new version of uh, the show, which takes place like before the Game of Thrones books. Um, I haven't watched the show yet. I've already read the books. I know what happens. So um, I'm just going to kind of wait and see and hopefully hope it turns out well. <laughs> it sounds like it's doing good, though. Uh, it's doing a lot better than some other high-profile fantasy shows recently. So, um, but yeah, um, I am back from my trip. Uh, it was very uh, fun, um, very mostly relaxing. Um, <laughs> did have a little bit of a issue with my travel on the return. Um, it's, you know, it's odd, you know, the first time I'm not in the area for a major hurricane like this, it still affects me, even though I'm not anywhere near. Um, our flight was initially supposed to leave, I think, Friday in the early afternoon uh, to get back very late Friday evening. Uh, however, that did not happen. They went ahead and canceled us uh, Thursday afternoon. So we, uh, we ended up uh, having to stay an extra day uh, in L.A., um, which wasn't bad. Um, but the, <laughs> the very early flight we had to take Saturday morning, uh, we had to be at the airport, uh, a little before four to actually get, you know, get in line and get through checks and all that before we could board. So that was a bit rough. So I am a little tired still. I'm, I'm trying to readjust my sleep schedule. Um, it hasn't been too, too bad, but, uh, it's catching up with me now, even though it's only... It's only uh, 10 o'clock here now, so I still have a couple days before I have to get back to the office, thankfully. So I'm going to try and use Monday and Tuesday to kind of get my sea legs back under me, as it were. But um, I hope everyone enjoys this. Uh, it's a simple little episode. It's just something that kind of allows me to do things and keep content out while I'm working on, I guess, the more hardcore history things. So if you have anything else, if you enjoyed it, if you have any feedback on this, please let me know. Um, I'll include the link to my friends if you were interested in their stuff. Um, I'll try to mention them in the Twitter feed as well. Um, but yeah, I, I hope you've all enjoyed. Uh, I hope you enjoy our next episode, which again, I think is going to be on Game of Thrones. I may switch it up though. Um, I have to just sit down and write out my little script there um i will try to have the domestication episode up to kind of include that as a real episode with the next bonus episode um i don't know if it'll be out next week it might be out the week after i still have to kind of work things out uh and see how i feel during the week uh and hopefully my office isn't too bad a shape um when I get back in on Wednesday. So again, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. I hope you have a good rest of your evening and please feel free to give me any feedback. Oh, also audacity, the software I use to record the episode has had an update. If there are any audio issues, please tell me and I'll try to adjust, but thank you for listening and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Goodbye.